All right, here we are, episode four of Not Another Wellness Podcast. This is Natalie Dellinger, and I bring you an episode, a trio, with me and two physical therapists who are located in Stamford, Connecticut. Brian and Kelly Wolf are from Wolf Physical Therapy, and I met them through the CrossFit gym that I attend in Darien called Dynamic Athletics. This episode is so great because Brian and Kelly talk all about what it takes to get through PT school while they're dating, while they're navigating college life. And we had a really long conversation about cadavers. I had no idea that people actually donate their bodies to science to be studied by students in med school or any anyone who's taking an anatomy class. So we talk a lot about bodies in the middle of this episode. And then Brian and Kelly give us their tips on fitness on how to get good posture if you work at an office or if you're sitting down all day, ways to mix up your exercise routines, ways to recover better from whatever you're doing. There's a lot of great information in here and I think you guys are going to love it. So here we go with episode four. I'm sitting here with the Wolves, Brian and Kelly Wolf, who are two physical therapists who've started their own business together, and we're going to talk all about that and how they got involved. Um, so thanks for joining me, you guys. Of course. <laughs> yeah, thanks for absolutely. having us. I want to get the backstory. Obviously, I really want to focus on your current business because I think that is so interesting, but tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are and just introduce yourself. So Kelly, why don't you start? <laughs> Um, okay. Well, um, when I was a kid, I grew up on a street with all boys. So I was kind of forced into some of a tomboyish kind of role. So I played a lot of sports and with sports come injuries and it was never anything super serious. I never really broke anything. I never tore anything, but I was just constantly in physical therapy, especially from like 10 on because I played pretty competitive soccer. Um, and I realized how much better I felt being in therapy and like how exercise really could change how I performed. Um, and as a kid, I always loved, you know, like the whole doctor teacher, like I'm going to do things with people. Um, and then in high school, we had to take that required class of like, you need to choose your career path. And so as a freshman, I was like, well, you know, I, I like my physical therapist. Let's check it out. And it seemed like a really cool deal. I remember thinking, I like medicine. I like working with people. I get to spend time with people, build relationships. And I get to use, you know, science, which I really enjoyed at that time. I was so, going to ask that. Was science yeah. your favorite subject? I, I'm... Oddly, I loved English and science, um, kind of like a jack-of-all-trades student, but I definitely, I took honors and really good AP student? bio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, oddly enough, I love chemistry, like um, organic chem was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So like most people hate those things and I'm just like, I couldn't get enough of it, but um, physics was a uh, 
yeah. horrible experience, and <laughs> that was a requirement, and I hated every single minute of it. <laughs> so, backing up a little bit, just where are you from? Where are you born? So, uh, I was born in Washington, D.C. Okay. Both of my parents were in the Air Force, so I was born on the Air Force base there. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, but they're both a little bit older, so by the time I was um, like three or four, they were both retired, and my mother and my brother and I moved up to Massachusetts when my parents got divorced. And I spent from the age of five until I graduated in Agawam, Massachusetts. All right. And uh, then I decided when I graduated, I did not want to spend any more time in that state, and I went to Ithaca College. Brian is here as well, so tell us about, yeah, your upbringing and any kind of interests that you had as a kid. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so I grew up in Westchester, um, New York, which in a small town, Katona, uh, it's like not far from here in Stanford. Um, and, uh, I was always into sports athletics. I, I wrestled for a long time and I also played baseball and, um, you know, I was always playing sports when I was younger and I always enjoyed like working out. And I'm also like a very, I'm not like I'm not, I'm almost like a very hyperactive person. Like I don't sit down well. I don't like, I never, when I was a kid, I got diagnosed with ADD, never sat down like at a, like for a, like and read a book. <laughs> I just, I just was too, too hyperactive, that kind of stuff. Um, so I feel like like every physical therapist who, um, every physical therapist like gets hurt at some point. Right. And then ends up in physical therapy. And the story I always joke with people is I still remember being 14 years old and my dad, where I was a sophomore in high school, my dad's standing there, we're talking with a physical therapist, and we get in the car, and my dad goes, that'd be a really cool profession, like, for you to do. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never, like, no way. And turn up now, here I am. It's because whatever it, right? your parents say, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's the opposite of what you want. It's so hilarious. It's so true. I thought I wanted to be an engineer or an accountant or something like that. And um, I don't really know how I got into, like, physical therapy school, like, how I got into that thought process. I think... Um, you know, I joked that maybe the profession kind of chose me in that way, like that I that I went into physical therapy, and you know, I remember the first time after physical therapy throwing a baseball and not having pain, like that was kind of crazy to me. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool that happened, right? Um, and then uh, as I as I kind of like as I kind of got to the process of like picking a major for school, I remember thinking accounting, and I remember my mom gave me some really good advice. She just said. She goes, figure out something you love to do and you'll figure out how to make money at it versus thinking like how to make money at something, right? And then going to that profession. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of really awesome advice when I look back on it. And I wanted something where I helped people. I never thought I'd get into healthcare. I, I, I loved science and math. I was good at science and math. Um, I actually loved physics. It's funny hearing Kelly say she hated physics. I loved physics. <laughs> I loved chemistry. I hated biology. Funny enough, I ended up, ended up taking a ton of anatomy and biology in college. But um, I, uh, I always loved that stuff. So going into, go, like, wanting to help people, didn't want to sit behind a computer. I remember thinking, I was like, I don't want to sit in the cubicle. I don't want to sit in the computer. I want to get up and move around. And I always loved to exercise. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do, like, I got recruited to play sports in college, but ended up not really following that route. And, you know, exercise seemed like a really good outlet to take over for that, from like a healthy lifestyle. And um, the three things that fit that was physical therapy. You were both in the same program at the same college from New England area, commuted about the same distance, and you met in class, right? It was a very small class compared to the 
300 PT classes yeah. or the yeah. science. And you shared computers. So like they had like the big Macs where like you would sit next to each other and mm-hmm. share computers. And I remember like in classic fashion, Kelly gets there a little I early. I got there so early and, and I like there were five people when I got there and there were 15 computers, but there were only 20 people in the class. And, um, as people are coming in, they can tell like they know each other and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm just going to sit here and hopefully someone sits next to me or doesn't. doesn't, Yeah. Yeah. Like, or hopefully it's not that guy who just walked in who looks like he didn't have a shower or whatever. So the teacher finally, or the professor finally like starts the class and I'm like, Okay, so I'm the only one without a partner, but like, all right, it's fine. It's this nice, big, state-of-the-art Mac computer all to myself. Like, cool. And then all of a sudden, like, Brian rushes in because he's late. (laughs) And I don't even know why I was so late, but I remember, like, running it. It was the first day, so I think I had trouble finding, like, where it was. Whereas I had mapped out how to get to my class well before it started. Definitely didn't do that. So anyways. Definitely (laughs) Brian... (laughs) rushes in and I look up and I'm like hey I know him and I kind of like wave at him a little bit and he sat down next to me and then he proceeded to copy off of me for the rest of the whoa, semester. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not true. That is so not true. That's not true. I definitely, I definitely remember walking in and being like the cute blonde over there is like waving at me and smiling at me. I was like perfect and I was like I sat like the <laughs> jackpot so I sat next to her. Did you recognize her? Yeah, I totally recognized her, and I think when we had first, like, the funny part, when we first met, like, doing laundry and stuff, like, she, we were both dating different people, and then at that point, we actually had both, like, we were both I, single, no, I was still or you were still dating, dating someone. someone, that's right, that's right, you are still <laughs> dating someone, and I was, I was single, and, um, we were, we, so we ended up sitting, and, like, the joke was that every test that we took, Kelly would get, like, one point better than me on. So, like, that was, like, an easy, we just were kind of flirting, but it was, like, so, like, unintentional... Like, she was dating someone, so I, I was respectful of that. Like you It know, was a long-distance, like, from high, from high school, school relationship that yeah. Yeah, just ultimately that didn't work out. And it was, like, easy to spend time with Brian because he was just, like... It was not threatening. It was... Obviously, there was something there, <clears> but, like, I had a boyfriend, so it was kind of like, I'll just be friends with you when we have a class together, you know? And then I don't think we actually officially started dating until the end of that semester. It went from like, <laughs> hey, comparing tests, like joking in class, like, hey, let's study together for this, to like all of a sudden then hanging out at, on, on Friday, weekends. Saturday nights and weekends, yeah. to like then we were dating. Yeah. A lot of the hardest, well, not the hardest, but some of the most crucial classes that you needed to pass were during your freshman and sophomore years. Yeah. And that's when all of your friends and other majors are partying mm-hmm. and going crazy. And totally. like for us, we were taking 18 credits a semester. And at one point, it became like we were taking trimesters instead of semesters. So it was like working through summers. It was a lot of work. It, it, so I trying the anatomy, to the cadaver anatomy summer was like you dissected a cadaver for twelve weeks, ten weeks. Does that Dead literally person. mean like yeah. you were dissecting its so, body? This yeah. is a funny story. Yeah. Like I'm late with two of my roommates, so and now you're late. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because I couldn't have find turned. it. I know. It was right? funny. I think well, Brian was. Brian I was. It out I was and... way late on this day. Oh, I know. So you walk in, and we're like, I think this is it, and we open the door, and they have the doors closed, partly because of the smell, and partly because it's cooler to keep the bodies better preserved. But I walked in, and I was late enough that they had taken the sheet off of one of the bodies and had already started dissecting. So I walk in, and I'm like. Oh, okay. All right. 
here we go. <laughs> now, hold on. To, sorry to cut you off, but okay. Were you like prepared for something like that? Because I don't <laughs> I think I could that. walk into. And also, my second question is, who are these bodies? Like, who are they? They are all it's donated. Yeah, it's incredible. To science. To science. Yeah. So science. we had what, yeah. like fifteen bodies? Fifteen to eighteen. Something yeah, eighteen. Like that. Something, yeah. something like yeah. that. They are all um, anonymous, but they can choose to leave a like a descriptor. Like the family could choose to yeah. leave a descriptor. And, they tell you at, the and end. at the end of the 12 weeks, we got to know who they were. Like we had no idea until the very end. And then we got to know who they were. And then we have a memorial service mm-hmm. for them yeah. at the end. Yeah. Oh, that's so, I mean, what an um, honor, right? Like, yeah. Somebody oh. donated to let you, like, you're learn. Like, I, I would like to think that I will someday donate my body, kind of like pay it forward. Because you know about it. Because, like, yeah. so yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Are these people that have been in the medical field or the science field who, you so know? So mine was. Mine was a pharmacist who gets it and yeah. is like, you know what? Like, I'm yeah. going to dedicate. I'm. And I remember, like, you get, like, a huge amount of understanding that you gain when you actually see it. Like, pulling on a muscle and seeing your foot pop, like, that foot pop up. Or, like, seeing all of the nerves, all of the nerves that innervate each muscle and where it innervates. Seeing how the nerves go into the spinal cord and go up into the brain. Pulling on the brain and seeing the tension on the nerve down in the leg. Like, all of those things are... That and I will never, ever, ever forget it. And I will, I would, if I had the chance, I would do it again. I like totally I would totally dissect again. again. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 funny because you get to a point where like like we took Anatomy One Hundred and One before, and I remember like yeah, I, I I study and and memorize and learn stuff and use a coloring book and learn like what the muscles are. But there's another thing like like there's no muscle in the body now. I may not remember every like attachment point, but I can remember I know everything was innervated by what? I know what levels from the spine and I also can tell you like what the action is. Like there's nothing like that when you can like you're not allowed to touch it during lab exams because if I can, I can pull on a hamstring and watch the knee bend. Yeah. Right? So like or like you so, have respect for the size of the sciatic nerve, or the thickness of the IT band, like you know, even even some of the other surface anatomy, like just just like even even when I'm treating TMJ like like lateral pterygoid where like there's muscles in the mouth in like the you mouth, and you yeah. when you can when you can dissect that and see it it's kind of it's it's amazing it's an incredible gift it's really cool I I was a little freaked out when we first went I was like I'm I don't want to be the guy who faints and so we were in the women's bathroom <laughs> on like the fourth that. floor and like that's where the lockers were so they had to actually relocate us at some point but like we must have walked around we were a half hour late for the first lap. And at that point, I was so pissed that, like, I couldn't find my lo- my locker and was late to the first day of lab that I remember being like, just hand me the scalpel. I'm ready to roll. Like, I'm like, let's, let's do this. Yeah. And so, but, like, literally, I was, I jumped right in and, uh, and yeah. We also had a partial short one. labs, a partial fresh cadaver, which is really cool because it was, like, only a couple hours old where you could see, like, all of the blood capillaries and everything like that. And that was Really cool. I think we did a thing on patellar tendonitis with yeah, that one. Yeah, so that and was it, a good like, learning cadaver. Awesome. Yeah. There was like a lot of responsibility with it. You had to um, wet it down with a preservative and cover all of the muscles. You didn't like just take away everything. You, you cut so that you can recover. It was very important to like be very cognizant of how you were taking care of the body. And the other interesting part is. If you know the backstory, you'll see like we dissected knees that had total joints in them. We dissected hearts that had pacemakers put in them. We had we dissected cool. brains that had brain tumors in them, right? So like yeah. it's really interesting to see like you know these people passed away for a reason, and some of the things you can pick up, some you don't. 
and there's anomalies. And, yeah. And that was the really cool thing about having so many bodies is you get to see like this is typical and this is an anomaly and this is like, but the um, hardest part was. As you're dissecting, we, there's like a manual, basically. And, and there's instructors going around, professors and stuff. So you kind of know where you are. But on a lab exam, they shut everything down. They take away any kind of markers. Because you'll have, like, a marker that says this is the phrenic nerve. And this is the, you know, the diaphragm or whatever. And on a lab exam, they'll take all of that away. And there's just, like, a pointer to mm-hmm. a Point, a little pin. A pin. Like it's what in, a, in a, a thing. And you have to just say it. You had to spell it correctly. You had to um, say whether it was an artery or a nerve. Like all, like, and it was the pressure of that. I just remember being like, I don't know, you had a minute per station. Yeah, like a minute, minute and a half. And you yeah. couldn't go back. I don't mm-hmm. think you could go back. So nope. you just had to like decide no and like know your shit. But but again, I look back on it, and one, it's triumphant that you that you got through it. And the two, bond boxes. Do you remember those? Yeah. So the, yeah, and the other part is like this stuff is super valuable, right? Like it's like this is a locked no, room. The bone boxes not were the, like. I'm sorry, not the bone boxes. There was one portion of the lab where they would have like a box that you stuck your hand into, and you had to feel right. the bone and know what it was. Write down what it was. And whether it was left it. or right. And whether it was left that or right. That was the tricky part. Because, like, and, and you, and, and I, don't, I can't remember if you got partial credit if you got the bone right, but, like, you'd have to go in there and be like, it's an ulna. All right. Is it the left one? And you had to, like, palpate. It was, it was, yeah. that was tough. I remember that being, like, some of it being really tough. The number one thing that's coming to my mind right now is I have so much respect for anybody <laughs> who has to learn this much. And also, like, confidence in the two of you, like, for knowing, because I, how would the average person ever know anything about that, you know? So, let's fast forward a little. So, you graduate, you get your degree, your doctorate and master's, mm-hmm. is that what you... Yep. Uh, master's and doctorate, yeah. yeah. So, you get okay. a... So, yeah, so you're asking before, like, what you major in. You, you're, you're a physical therapy major, but our bachelor's was in clinical science, and then we have a master's in physical therapy and a doctorate in physical therapy. There's a lot of certifications that you can get to specialize, just like any doctor would specialize into something. Even, like, um, an oncologist will specialize in a certain kind of cancer, like breast cancer or something like that, whereas physical therapy, there are so many things. You can be pediatrics orthopedics, neurology, women's health, cardiac, um, pulmonary, cardiac, pulmonary uh, inpatient hospital as a specialization, outpatient therapy, home health, and all of these things yeah. come with a certification. So Brian, Brian and I both are PT. So the, the letters after the name are PT is what we are. We're physical therapists. The DPT is our doctors, so we can call ourselves doctors for that. Um, Brian is an OCS, uh, well, he's OCS, so that's Orthopedic Certified Specialist. I'm LSVT Big Certified, so that means I am certified in a program for Parkinson's patients, uh, which is really kind of up and coming, but really well known right now as far as effectiveness for Parkinson's. Uh, I'm also craniosacral therapy certified, and, um... What else have I done? I've done so many things. Oh, lymphedema certified. Not certified, I'm sorry. I've done lymphedema and um, lymphedema training. Which is? Lymphedema is... Like lymph... um, So lymphatic system. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so a lot of like chronic swelling and stuff like that. Okay. 
lot. After, especially like after like breast cancer, like if you have like lymph node resection, like there's swelling that way from that. Okay. Um, that was stuff that Kelly has the experience in. Yeah. Yeah, and then most of my background, yeah, is 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 an, is an orthopedic certified specialist. Um, I had that for a couple years now, and um, and then I have a McKenzie background, which McKenzie's a, a exercise for um, a type of exercise for the spine. And it also has extremity stuff, but it's mainly known for the spine. And then we both have a manual therapy oh, yeah. background as well That's that right. we've taken at University of St. Augustine. So we've done that. Um, We're kind of continuing education junkies. Yeah, we love to learn. That's I mean, awesome. that's, it's been really fun. I, I, we, I joke now, is like there's, there's, there can't be anybody in the state of Connecticut who has the background I have. Because it just, there's just, it's just so unique. And then, and then I also just recently got LSVT Big certified too to help mm-hmm. back up Kelly because, you know, and that's funny. I have, I'm treating a patient right now with um, early onset Parkinson's, and I can't help wipe the smile off my face because it's like it's such a fun population to work with because they do so well and like you mm-hmm. see such great strides and they get they go from being super skeptical about it and like this is a huge time commitment yeah. to like. They can't wait to come back. It's so fun. Yeah. It's like it, you just you just see someone buy into that. So it's a, it's like one of the newer populations. I think I know I I've been wanting to build our business mm-hmm. around, um, just because it's so much fun to see like that transformation in people. Um, so so yeah so so that's kind of like what the credentialing process is. So so how did you come together after graduation and say okay let's start this company together? I think graduate. Classes included um, a business class. Uh, it was a very small, like one semester of business, but it was kind of like if you wanted to, this is how you would do a business plan to start a PT clinic. And we had to like kind of mock up in a group how you would choose a business, run it, go through all of the necessities, and that kind of we had talked about at that point, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we had both said independently when we decided we wanted to do physical therapy, we had both imagined ourselves like freshman year having our own clinic. We both felt confident enough that that's what we wanted to do. And then you graduate and life starts at you like you're planning a wedding and then all of a sudden you're moving back where you said you never, never moved back to and and then I'm pregnant and it was kind of like, all right, so a couple years have passed and what do we want to do? And we still kind of both knew that we were smart enough and had enough confidence that like we didn't want to just be a PT. Like we wanted leadership roles. We wanted to own our own business and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, how do we do that now with a little baby because this was around the time that Grace was born. Um, and to be a director in a clinic is great, but you're still not your own boss. So we started, and to be a physical therapist in general is amazing, but in outpatient therapy, the hours are long and um, you don't get a lot of time at home. And that's just kind of the way it is because you have to work around other people who are working, your patients who are working. So you need to work late or work early before and after work because therapy is a commitment. It's two times a week, three times a week for weeks. Mm-hmm. So you can't ask someone to take all of that time off from work. Right. So, um, it was kind of like either we're okay with the crazy hours as a staff PT or a director or, we do our own thing. So it was kind of like a way for us to take our future into our own hands and say, we want to spend time with our kids. We want to spend time with each other because there was a potential that 
on the early days, if I worked, Brian would have to work late and vice versa, and we would just never see each other. The so, four 10-hour days. Yeah, yeah, I worked four 10-hour days we for both a little did. bit. Yeah. So like then, then I'd be off Monday, Kelly would be off another day, so we wouldn't see each other. Mm-hmm. I remember, And then I, I still remember like the catalyst that I was like, we're doing it now. Because we always had talked about it. And there's a, the thing about physical therapy, right, is you, and I talk about this with people who keep asking me my, my tips when they're like asking me about starting a physical therapy practice. Because I have one guy who's like, listen, I'm also young trying to, like, become a better physical therapist. Like, there's a certain learning curve, like, with experience, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we got experience under our belt, and, and I just remember there were two, like, major catalysts. One was we were going on vacation when Grace was, our daughter was, like, five months, six months. And I remember literally cramming a five-day week and a three days and seeing Grace before we went on vacation for a few days for about a total of 15 minutes. Like, it was just a grind 13 hour days and like I remember like thinking like I never get time off like my time off is just me grinding like crazy to make See? up for taking time off yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was nuts and, yeah. and that kind of pissed me off I remember thinking that I was like and then and then the big one was when our, when Joe died when our, when our friend oh, died yeah. um, and I remember he was 26 like a tragic dra- you know kayaking accident that like he just drowned and it was it was su- super sudden really sad and um, I, I still remember walking to my boss's office and saying like, look, this is what happened to me. I have to go for the funeral. I have to. I have to be there for our friend who who is a dear friend of ours. His um his his wife. His wife was my college roommate, my yeah. best friend, and yeah. they had gotten married eight months. Yeah, yeah. Before. And I had intro- And I knew Kate before Kelly knew Kate. I introduced them together. It's yeah. so, like we were both really good friends with them, and. Um, I remember being like, I need this time off. And she's like, well, can you just go to the wake and not the funeral? And I was like, and I remember being like super f- pissed about that. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I turned around and just said, just so you know, I'm not going to be here on Monday. Like, I'm not asking for the day off. I'm just not going to be here. I remember thinking, I was like, you know what? Life's too short. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Why wouldn't we go for this? Why wouldn't we try it and build something? And, and what's the worst thing like, that happens? We fail, whatever. Then we fail, then we know we didn't do it. We never have to worry. Well, you know, the worst thing the, thing, the thing that I feel is, like, huge that I would say to anybody is I never want to regret anything. Like, when I die, I'm like, if I at least gave it a shot and it failed, whatever, then I knew that it didn't work. And maybe I either try something different or I start another business or I go back to doing what I was doing before. I just know that... There's no reason not to do it. Um, and so I, that that was sort of like the main catalyst for me with those two big things was to be able to control sort of like my my day-to-day stuff. And, and that, make, yeah, and to make that decision when you already have started a family must have been so, like that's a huge deal because, right. but you know that you have this idea and the passion behind it and you want want it enough but it's like when is it going to happen right away is it going to take a while like what compromises you're going to have to the the hilarious thing I think of now is like Kelly talked about that business class and I can remember forming up the business plan and being like the color of the carpet will be this (laughs) the dimensions of the that will be this the paint that is not real life like I look back on it now like that is not that is not it like that is not like a business plan like we the business plan that we would have of any manuals thrown out the window and I remember thinking when we initially started the business like I was like is that weird that would have like a really formal business plan. And I was like, no, it's not weird looking back on it now. Like if someone would ask me, like, should I put together this work? Because as a PT, like you're very, you have you're forced to be organized. You have these classes, you have to be. But it's like when you're when you're running a business, it's sort of like I think actually to your advantage of not having a business plan because if you write something up that's twenty five pages that's like exactly by the book, 
you may you may find three weeks in that that doesn't work at all. And like if you're like I've read books on it that if you're rigid to that plan, a lot's why a lot of businesses will fail. And so the idea of having to pivot and change and just kind of go with <sighs> the flow. We've talked about that so much. Yeah, like ch- constantly yeah. changing has been one of our successes. It's like been don't like don't look too far ahead. Just yeah. just do yeah. what you can right now. Right. Yeah. And, and, focus on the right. And they thing. actually talk about it. One of my mentors told me this, and I've read in this group that I'm in, and I think it's so perfect. It's like one of the things that we do is we listen to our patients, which everyone every patient likes, right? We listen to our patients. We we hear what they do, and we just develop a program around it because we know there's other people who are going to want to do it, and then it just takes off. And it's like sort of what's funny is like that's what happened with the Parkinson's. Well, the other going back a little bit, the other reason I think that we both decided to do our own business um, or start our own business was because we both, um, I think we're both fairly intuitive and compassionate when it comes to treating patients. And we started getting these people who would come back and come back and keep coming back and refer their friends and. And all of a sudden, it was like, I remember being just a staff PT in an outpatient clinic, and I was completely full. No one, like, I had a waiting list, and I was like, why am I, if I can do this here, not, and I I liked my boss, like, he was a great mentor to have, but it was kind of like, all right, I have something that people like, and I think that if I can establish this on my own... I will be very successful. And Brian did too. We both had these loyal patients. Like a following. Like a following, yeah. I was wanting to talk about posture. I'm sure you see a lot of, obviously you see older people. You see athletes who are injured. Two backgrounds are, we're definitely big in orthopedics, right? We definitely see a lot of athletes and we see, like we've, We've worked with high school, college, semi-pro, pro athletes all the way up to the spectrum. I think the biggest thing about our culture and the technology that we have is everything is screens. And it does pull you forward. Phones, computers, every even driving incorrectly. You know, like everything is like pulling you forward. And the... Injury just from poor posture is, I think, typically neck and low back pain. You just have muscular changes that happen that can create other injuries along the road, especially if you go from a state of inactivity to sudden activity. And I, I don't mean like sitting up all of a sudden from your desk and running down the hall. I mean like you take six months off from exercise and then your new year's resolution is to exercise and you jump right back into where you think you should be and you've changed a lot over that six months more than you think and that's where an injury occurs so it's really ridiculous how quickly your body can change and how long it can take to regain that um shortening or 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 lack of flexibility and mobility and strength. Mm-hmm. There, there was a there was a guy who took a continuing education course from the University of Saint Augustine, um, and I remember him saying, "He goes, little G is winning." And he used to say, like, with gravity, <laughs> right? So he used to talk about like that. The one thing we all have, especially as we age, is is gravity is on us, right? So whether you're a CrossFit athlete, competitive athlete, older, you know, as you age, whether you're super sedentary, or like they talk about sitting as the new smoking. I think from a societal standpoint, you're sitting in front of a computer, you're sitting in front of an iPhone or, or some sort of smartphone. 
Um, so your posture is naturally to like round yourself and go forward. And, and the McKenzie idea where a lot of my background is, 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 um, is improving posture and actually going the opposite direction. And some of the research that's coming out is talking about how basically that your nervous system likes to move in different directions. And that's why I try and tell people who are like CrossFit athletes, I go, no, you don't want to like, like CrossFit is a bad rap or exercise in general can get a bad rap because of injury. But the reality is it's somebody who's never, like Kelly said, somebody who's never done it before and then all of a sudden goes to do something brand new, you're shocking your central nervous system and it's not going to like that initially. And it depends on how you change what you're doing. You know, that's where we come in is trying to modify things or stop pain and fix problems that may have been long lasting, you know, before. Um, and that's where this idea behind mobility comes in, stability. And, and so when you're doing these different, um, when you're doing different activities, well, like I said, whatever age is, um, you know, gravity, bad posture is a, is a nasty combo along with then doing activities that can, that can basically take you out of that bad posture. And so by correcting that bad posture, you're setting the central nervous system up for a, basically the thought is a decreased perception of pain. So it's, it's going to be more adaptable to different motions. So if you're in bad posture and then you go to force something in CrossFit that's like the proper posture, the central nervous system can perceive a threat and hit you with pain, right? You kind of lock up on you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that's where we'll see a lot of people who be like, do I need an MRI? Do I need injections? And the answer is maybe yes and no, you know, depending on person to person. But the reality of a lot of times is like, let's see if we calm this stuff down, then try and slowly do it so that you're able to you know, decrease that perception, that, that, that threat perception, improve that, that symptom, and then try it again and see where you're at. Right. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we're, I know we're both quicker to pull the trigger on certain stuff. If something doesn't look right, or we think yeah. we, we suspect something sinister is going on, but and you can tell um, that pretty easily when you, yeah, you, someone. yeah. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with pain and symptoms. And like, that's why we ask so many questions in the beginning and yeah. like, we're constantly monitoring people because there are certain signs that are really okay. Like, yeah, you're going to feel muscle pain sometimes when you're exercising. You're going to feel a pull or a stretch or an, an ache. But there are certain signals that we're like, okay, nope, that's not a good thing. Let's avoid that. Or when you're doing this, it's okay. But when you're not doing that, it's not okay. So we're constantly taking the more information we get from a patient, the better we can treat them. Mm -hmm. So... Doctors have surgery and CT scans and x-rays, and we have what we see you do and what you tell us you feel. Mm-hmm. And some, some, some other professionals have seen that as a negative that we don't necessarily like order MRIs or x-rays or CT scans or anything like that. And um, I actually can see it in the ways as like a positive in that intuitively now people will ask me at the gym like what is this where is that and pretty much pretty quickly I can give it a good guess you know and and when I say guess it's like you know I've seen it enough or you know I can ask four simple questions that I'm like you know where does it hurt where do you feel this weakness how did it happen and then I can do a quick test and just know um like yeah and I can just know what happened when you were like I think you said your knees hurt, mm-hmm. and I was like, and you were saying how you did the workout the other day, and I was like, you you gotta roll out your quads, you gotta yeah, take yeah, quads. Yeah. Like it's just one and of I those things. And I did roll out my quads this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where like I've felt it, I've seen it, I've worked with people, 
I just know, like, mm -hmm. that's, if it's not the thing, that's the first thing to try. Because mm -hmm. yeah. that's the majority of what people feel, and yeah. you just know it. And then what happens with experience is you kind of create this, like, algorithm and chart in your head mm -hmm. of, like, all right, they tried this, it didn't work. So what I'll do is I'll say, try this, this, and this, and if it doesn't work, then, like, let's get together. Because, like, I'm like, okay, now the first three, like, like we just ruled out what would be 50% of the problems. Right? And so it's like, all right, now we go to here. Put it. Yeah, you know? there's only so many things that you actually learn in school that are by the book. Yeah, that's the other funny you part. They don't tell you probably, that. Probably, yeah, they, they probably don't tell this to a lot of people. But when you graduate school, you kind of almost feel like you know nothing. Yeah. Because you know enough about everything to know that you need to know a lot more. And it's only through seeing it and treating it and having successes and having failures and then retreating and and um you know finally getting the end result that you're looking for that you can then apply it again and see that it works again mm -hmm. or and then you build yeah up that. and then so the more there is something to the more years of experience you have the better right. but there are Especially when we graduated, I feel like there were a lot of therapists who were not doing any kind of research-based continuing ed, and research is constantly changing. It's amazing how much we have at our hands, so if you're not constantly evolving with that research, then you're a disservice to your clients. So you have to be able to not only just use your experience, but then apply that with new research and figure out a way to do that quickly because... You need to, it's always changing and you need to give the best advice, advice that, you, that can. you can to your patients. Yeah, yeah I w and I would also say, I, I think the best thing that has always served me, and I, I read this this morning, I should, I should actually like give the exact quote because I thought it was so well put, but I think one of the things I was thinking about was like if a new grad therapist came to me and was like, well, like, yeah, but you've been doing this for seven years and yeah, you've done this and yeah, you've seen that, like, what can I do? How can I, do? like the first thing I would say is really just listening like, yeah. I think I, I've, I've really, the last two years particularly, just, like, taken a step back, and now I'll just say, tell me what's going on, and just let somebody go. One, I think there's a therapeutic aspect of someone just, like, letting it go, like, saying and telling somebody, and then you're saying, now, the other part is it's tricky, but, like, if you can sit there and, like, listen, right, and then take it all in, and then be like, it, you have the most information now, you've got everything. So now it's just a matter of like the most pertinent information and you know what questions to ask and kind of go from there. I can now, I think, and, and there's something where people just trust you more and understand yeah. because you're listening to them. And so that's probably one of the best things that I can tell like, anybody who's new to this is like, you might not know everything, but you, especially in today's healthcare model where you like, like, you know, Everything's in and so out, in and out, yeah. next, next like, patient, next patient, like, you know, especially when you go to like your primary care doctors, like 15 minutes. Now it's like, all right, I can spend the time. Just tell me what's going on, and then yeah. you know, worst case scenario, I got to run over to the next appointment, and and um, and we'll figure it out from there. You know, so I think that's kind of a um, there's there's so many different cool. And, and when I look at my career now, and look at like so far where I've gone with like my continuing education, like I don't, I never thought I would have done half this stuff. So it's it's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. But I like that you don't take a quick fix approach, which I think is is really awesome because I know an experience with injuries a lot of times it is well that hurts okay let's make it not hurt but not how do we make it not hurt in the future when yeah. you're doing the same movement how to not make it hurt you know not just temporarily but how do we build up the strength that's obviously was you know maybe was the reason you got hurt in the first place so 
prevention and education are huge, especially yeah. when you're talking about posture, because posture isn't just like strength, it's a habit. And that's really what I, I know that I talk about that a lot with my patients and, um, I'm sure Brian does too, is that when your posture is poor, you don't just have to strengthen to get yourself into better posture. You have to then do better with your endurance to keep your posture. And then you also have to remind yourself, have some kind of cognitive cueing that when you're sitting in front of the computer and you're slowly sinking towards that screen, something has to remind you to pull yourself back yeah. and get your shoulders back. And so your what are core. your tips for people? So one of the ways that I'll do it is, especially for people who are um, sitting in a, uh, in front of a computer or maybe driving a lot, I'll tell them to have something special that they can visually look at every now and then. It's right there. It's something that stands out on their desk or whatever. And every time you look at it, you have to, that's your posture reminder. So you might be typing and then 20, 30 minutes after you've started, you look to the right at that thing and you sit up straighter. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, it's an unobtrusive visual cue to sit up. And some people can do something with like a silly thing or a sparkly thing or whatever. And some people literally just take the big picture that has posture on it <laughs> and they just put it right next to their computer yeah. and, and look at that. Yeah. But it has to be something that just doesn't fade into the background. You have to remember to do it. A and posture reminder, like mm -hmm. trinket. I like yeah, that. like a little That's trinket. Simple. You could That's do cool. That. I like that. Yeah. And maybe that. move it around. Like I'm thinking after a couple months, you kind of might get like, used to it. So then put it on yeah. the other side. Yeah. Whatever. That's and a good idea. There's always like the really good example of like every now and then you should get up and go to the bathroom or get up and get a cup of water or something just so you're kind of changing your position because just sitting for a long period of time does a lot to your circulation and and everything like that so it's always yeah. good to just kind of change it what do you think about standing desks i think they're awesome i'm like i you know i'm so shameless when it comes to like posture like i'm telling people like like I'll I'll do stuff in the supermarket, or like I'll, I'll I'll like like I tell people if you have a cubicle, like lie on the floor and do like cobra, right? Or like you know get a standing desk, but I can't do it. I'm in the, I'll be the only one standing. I go, I promise you. I've heard stories. One story I loved was this guy. I was teaching him how to do press ups for over correction for his back, and uh, he goes and does it on the airplane flight, and two other people hop out of their seats and go, that looks like a great idea, and start doing it with them on the like floor. I saw a joke all the time. Yeah. Go make friends. I go, go make friends and do, you know, I go, I, somebody the other day was like, I can't, I can't get a standing desk. I, I disassemble it. And I said, one, you won't have back pain anymore. And two, I go, I, I was like, I guarantee you within two months, three other people will be standing with you. Yeah. I go, it's, it's 80% of people at some point in their lifetime will have back pain. And a lot of it's associated because of sitting for a long period of time. So you're not alone, and it's the second most common thing for people go to the doctor behind the common cold. If you're standing, someone else wants to be standing. And and I tell people is I go every 20, 30 minutes, get up, get yeah. up and move, mm -hmm. get up and go to the bathroom, get up and go to the water cooler, just stand, literally stand up, and sit, back, sit down. back down. You know, yeah. it's like sit on your set a timer on your phone, like to, you know, to every half hour that you're getting up. And that's that's even I think goes back to what do I think about a standing desk? I think they're great, but I think that really what people need to do when they're working for hours at a time is change their position it, it's not just about standing instead of sitting because even standing I'm sure if you've ever been in a line you can see people with poor posture um, so it's not going to change that much just if you go from sitting to yeah. standing it improves but you need to just be aware of it and and the more you're moving the more your body moves the more 
subconscious cues you're going to get to engage your core, to engage your uh, middle back area, which like is, you know, yeah, your rhomboids, your shoulders, yeah. things like that. So the the stationary issue, like it's just being mm-hmm. stationary for too long. That's the, the problem. The body's not meant to, that's not how everything keeps yeah. moving, keeps yeah. alive. What is your recommendation for activity? Like how often should people be... My moving, favorite, exercising. My favorite question I'll get is people say, do I have to do these exercises for the rest of my life? Oh, my God. And I say to people all the time, I go, we should all be exercising for the rest of our life in yeah. some capacity. I go, it may not necessarily need to be just these exercises if you're doing the right stuff. I go, but no one is meant to just sit around and nothing, right? Like, exercise in general. Amen. I mean, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, I mean, I exercise four to five to six times a week. I think it's... You know, you can do whatever you want to do in terms of exercise. I don't really have any prescription. I think I think over-specialization is a biggie. I think if you're going mm-hmm. to do... It's one of the other reasons I really like CrossFit is it's something different every day versus, right. like, you know, someone shouldn't swim every day. Someone should, you know, shouldn't play one sport all the time, especially growing up. But, you know, those are those repetitive things yeah, are more overuse issues. a good one to do every day. Well, I, you know, I think I mean, then we'll see plenty of shoulders, pain, and yeah, issues I'm with swimming. Yeah, I'm a perfect example of that. Yeah. I had bad swimming posture. Did you specialize in one stroke? I did, and oh, okay. I, the, the bad shoulder stroke, it's a butterfly. Mm. But <laughs> I, I say, really had a coach who corrected my posture in college, and it was really hard for me to change by that point. As an ex-swimmer, I don't think I would ever prescribe a one-sport lifestyle. I think it's great if you're good at it and you want to get that college scholarship, whatever. But I felt myself being really uncoordinated on land after that many years. And my my hand-eye coordination suffered. And um, now, luckily, you know, it's not like it was was my, my whole life, but... I, I I will put a you know, little plug for CrossFit that it is so different and, and you yeah. can do different movements and you can run and row and bike and a little bit of everything. That's yeah. a hot awesome. topic right now with kids specializing and wanting them to do really well at one thing and the number of injuries that are arising because little kids, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids are specializing and being consistently pushed in one sport. The more well-rounded you are with the sports, the more well-rounded you are muscularly and the less injuries you're seeing so it's a common thing mix it up move yeah don't do any one thing too much where you're gonna cause pain or injury right don't push through pain typically what i see the majority is back pain neck pain shoulder pain there is knee pain out there too um I think when we think of athletes, we think of like the major injuries, like the ACLs, like the, traumatic and the traumatic stuff. But the traumatic stuff happens so less yeah. than the chronic overuse. Totally. Chronic. Overuse. So chronic. much more common. Doing something incorrectly, un- like repetitively, that's creating this um, overuse or tightness, and all of a sudden. They did it on the 100th time, and that's when the injury occurred. So it might be like a micro trauma, but really the trauma is not the problem. It was the fact that they weren't stretching enough, or they weren't flexible enough, or they were doing the thing incorrectly because of flexibility issues that they hadn't addressed before they started the activity. So, or, here, or here's where the kicker comes that I think is like that I just that I've seen more recently that I think experience kind of plays in a little bit too is that is it a combination of those things, yeah. right? Like, is somebody, especially a lot of times across it the, is. is somebody, <laughs> is somebody, a, you said about the bad posture, like I'd make the argument that your posture was a hypomobility or a lack of mobility most likely that needed to be fixed or corrected in your spine 
and then ultimately then tied into you correcting that butterfly so you could achieve that same power and stroke through your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so that is what then puts like a labrum or a rotator cuff, you know, to have an overuse or chronic injury. And that correction then doesn't necessarily make you instantly stronger sometimes, but just brings the balance there. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at, I find what I do a lot of times is someone says like, I have pain walking up and down the stairs. The first thing I do is, okay, let's go see the stairs. I'm like, well, no, like, well, we got to fix the pain first. And I was like, yeah, of course we do. But I got to see what the heck's going on here if we're going to do that or... You know, if someone... You gotta watch your posture a little, too. Exactly. To see like, what it is. Yeah, like, hey, I have pain with doing a squat snatch. All right, let's go do a squat snatch and see what's going on, right? Or, you know, see, you know, if someone has pain from a pull-up bar, let's see what happens when you go from a pull-up bar. So it's like, doing stuff like that, I think that's the cool part. The the coolest thing, I think, that I love about what, what I particularly do is I just tone it up for and ramp it up and ramp it down for whoever it is. I think, you know, I was having a conversation with, with one of the rowing coaches over at, at DA, and she was saying, she's like, oh... She's like, you know, she was making a comment about physical therapy. And I said, I think a lot of times we don't necessarily think about how to adjust it, apparently, to that patient. We, you know, I, I if someone says they have pain with sprinting, I'm going to go see them sprinting. If I have an older patient who says I have pain going up and down the stairs, we're just going to look at going up and down the stairs, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to look at the sprinter having pain saying, let's go up and down the stairs. And I'm not going to look at the older patient saying I have pain with going up and down the stairs, look at them sprinting. You know, unless maybe that's like their goal, yeah. but... It's, 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 I'd say I agree with Kelly. I think most of what we see, and we've built a business off of Mm -hmm. helping people avoid surgery, helping people and prevention and and correct that. Another common theme, and it's maybe not so apparent, it's more like a psychology part of everything, but people are starting to become a lot more aware that exercise is important and trying to exercise more, trying to get more fit. Um, but they don't realize that while there are large muscle groups that everyone's trying to strengthen, your quads, your glutes, your biceps, your lats, whatever, there are a lot of smaller supportive muscles, supportive structures, that if you're not conditioning those as well, as these large muscles get larger, you don't have the foundation or like the um, scaffolding to really maintain them. So and while you're it. and support it. So while you're growing and, sh- and strengthening or, or going for that, you know, ninth mile, 10th mile when you're running, if you don't have the endurance of the smaller support structures to help you, you're, you're going to end up with another overuse injury. Mm-hmm. And, and explaining that to someone and educating them is probably one of the most eye-opening things. Like I remember telling someone at the gym, my front squat was suffering because I didn't have the middle back strength that I needed to support the front rack position so that when I was in a lower squat, I didn't tip forward. And I remember them saying like, wait a second, say that again? Like, and I was like, it's not my legs. My, I can back squat a lot more. It's all my upper body. And if my scapular region is weak, then I have nothing to pin myself up or hold myself up so that I don't collapse. And if I collapse, then I'm not going to hold my squat. So Especially if it's heavy. Mm. Right. That makes so much sense. Everything Mm. about my, in particular myself, my front squat is hinged on the fact that I need to strengthen my mid-back more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect segue into my final question for you because, so say the people listening are athletic we are realizing how important it is to move. Like we talked about, just keep your body moving, change it up, work on your posture. So what are the things, I mean, I'm 
stretching, rest, like what what are like five things you prescribe to someone to maintain the little muscles? Like how how do you handle all of that? <laughs> Core. Core strengthening Core strength. is huge. Okay. I think that Obviously, everyone wants abs, but core strengthening is more than just like a six-pack. And you don't have to have no body fat to um, have abs. You might not see them, but you have them, and you have to use them. So Abs are huge. Core strength. It's not core strength. So the corset all around your trunk. Uh, It's the core corset, you know, like your back, Mm -hmm. your um, Obliques. obliques. Your rectus abdominis, all of those muscles are really important. In addition to those scapular muscles, those are and really, really important. Yeah, so course, shoulder the blades. core also has breathing aspects, right? So, right. like your transverse abdominis, internal obliques, which are like accessory breathing muscles. So, even if you're working on, there's certain exercises you can be doing to stimulate that as well. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's people will see you know they're putting on weight belts in the gym. You're you're walking around with a weight belt in your core, right? So, like that's that's probably the most important. Yeah. Weight belt you can yeah. use. You use it all day long. And do you think stretching um, yes. for recovery is big? Because I was going to ask that. So there's before and after. Before, yeah, there's Dynamic two kinds cool of down. stretching, and people are always kind of give us a double take on this too. So there's active or dynamic stretching and there is static stretching. And you should always do some kind of form of, form of dynamic stretching pre activity, which um, a lot of gyms will have some kind of like warm up or. or um, you know, way to get your blood pumping and you want to do it somewhat muscle specific to what you're going to use. But then a lot of people don't take the time afterwards to do their nice static stretching. Don't look at me. And <laughs> it's so easy. I mean, it's so bad. Easy. I it's know. really important. Well, I was just, I was thinking about this driving over here. So, um, obviously if you haven't figured this out, we all do CrossFit together. Mm-hmm. And, um, my biceps where my biceps connect to my <laughs> forearm the last two days. Yeah. are really tight. And I'm thinking, I think I should be stretching these out. And it feels amazing to do that, but I don't really know if it matters or not. And but I'm yes. a huge yoga person. I love stretching. But I was like, is that really as important as, yes, as I think it is. Honestly, if you feel something and you're like, ooh, that's tight, that's sore, that is the time to stretch it. Okay. That is the time to be like, let's bask in that pull and just be yeah. like, I pain. did something. Yeah, that's yeah. the good pain that people talk about. Okay. Um, and I think in addition to stretching, especially after you've used your muscles really hard is not being afraid to take care of yourself as far as like massage or a hot like bath or something. Love Those things bath. are also they cool. sound yourself, like yeah. they're pampering, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's actual like scientific evidence that those things are going to help reduce muscle waste, move muscle waste and help you recover like lactic a lot. acid. Muscle yeah. Waste, yeah, there are like meta- that. you know lactic acid is the most commonly known one, but there's other metabolic factors that are breaking down your muscles and building it up. Well, if you can facilitate that process to move faster, Right, whether it's through supplementation, whether it's through stretching and active movement, whether it's through recovery aids, like you know, that's where cryo is coming big now, or mm. like you know, a hot bath or stretching. You know, I think those are the big things that you can be doing that are so easy to do mm-hmm. um, that will will optimize your recovery. There's another thing that I think it's really important is that if you're doing an activity and you're pushing through chronic pain and it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's not that you're supposed to stop it altogether, but modify it in some way so that you're not having the same level of pain that you're having. Because if you just keep pushing through mild pain, it will become moderate. If you keep pushing through moderate pain, 
it will become severe and that's when you're more at risk for trauma. So it's never good to just stop doing activity altogether because we should keep moving. But know how to modify it or ask someone, how can I do this differently? Or just try doing half of what you were doing. If a full squat hurts, do half of a squat, do a mini squat. You're still exercising, you're still using those muscles, you're still getting some benefit, but you're not hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why push through pain if you it's can change it? Worse yeah. Yeah. Or switch it up. Yeah. I mean, like if somebody says, I have pain with X, I'm like, all right, what's the closest thing to X that you don't have pain with? Like that's simple. I like that fact. So don't avoid it, modify it. And also, if you're really sore, mm-hmm. you suggest keep moving. Like don't necessarily yeah. Yeah. rest. For days until you don't feel sore. It'll I take longer. That. Well, It'll take there... longer for you to recover if you're not getting that because your cardiovascular supply also helps flush out all of that toxin. So your lymphatic system does a lot of it, but your lymphatics works with your cardiovascular yeah. system. So if you're not using your muscles, even though it hurts and aches, there's you know those active recovery days that you heard of. Those are for a reason. That's to get things moving so you can flush out. Your muscles that makes so much sense and recover. Yeah, exactly. It does always kind of feel really good not to go to the gym when you're sore, but afterwards it's yeah. like a little bit like it's gone, it's released, it's yeah. moved. That's what's happening. Okay. And I think I think you know I think we talked about like changing it up. Like you talked about the yoga. Like I see people who do too much yoga too, right? So like totally. doing all sorts of stuff is is huge. Um, I think the other part is 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 having fun, right? Yeah. Like, don't go to a gym and sit on a stupid elliptical or a bike and hate it. Like, I I it, I because you just won't stick with it. You won't do it. And yeah. so it's like enjoy what you're doing. Switching it up to me is the key. I enjoy switching. I have tried everything from sports to running to swimming to to, to rowing to P ninety X to different home programs to now to CrossFit. It's like. A lot of times it's just try doing my stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter like change it up. Mm-hmm. Try do different stuff because that will this is a marathon, not a sprint. So like you know, they, yeah. yeah. The idea is more about how it's not winning the day of exercise. It's yeah. about about going through the process of like staying healthy. And that's that's what I would tell anybody who's younger trying to age properly. It's just keep exercising, keep figuring out ways, different ways to exercise and stimulate and you know, you'll you'll have a healthy lifestyle that way. I love that. Thank you guys so much for. Uh, there's so much. You guys have so much knowledge, and it's so <laughs> cool to hear the whole story and behind it because I don't know that many people realize what it takes to go through and how much you have to consider when you're dealing with a patient who has such a specific story and need. And it's so cool to hear that you treat that very individually Thank and you. like cool, very thanks. well. We enjoy yeah. it. It's, we it's definitely awesome. enjoy it everything that we do if people want to find out more about you um i know you have a website mm-hmm. yeah wolfphysicaltherapy.com we have a youtube channel um might be my personal one we have a facebook page facebook page yeah for social media wolf physical therapy wolf like the animal yeah the, exactly right. with the exactly yeah any wolf so physical cool. therapy stuff you can find twitter Find us on the website. There you go. Cool. We're at our home, Dynamic Athletics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's Represent. it, too. Give the plug for CrossFit, yeah. for sure. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian and Kelly, for having me over to talk everything physical therapy. 
Talk about a power couple. You two are awesome. And special thanks for always being so helpful at the gym. I know we all have run up to you when you're not working and had questions for you about little pains or tweaks that we had been experiencing. And you guys are always so helpful and so passionate. And we all really appreciate it. And for you guys listening, you can visit wolfphysicaltherapy.com to get in contact with Brian and Kelly. They're located in Fairfield County area. So definitely check out the website, follow them on social media. And yeah, so thanks for, you know, being here through four episodes. You guys are all the best.